0: Speak softly, loud, so no one hears us but the sky. The vows of love we made, we live on till we die. My life is yours, and I'll be cold. You came into my world. Good evening, everyone, and welcome so to Hollywood so Godfather you. Podcast. And here we are again. I can't, we're going into our third season. Yeah. I can't believe this, third season. And we have to thank all you guys out there, women, Mm. children, anybody can listen. Subscribe, tell your friends. And talking about friends, we're getting very interested here with all these people that come. A gentleman who was a fan contacted me a few weeks ago, and he's sitting next to me now. I just met him for the first time, and he bought our book, Pat, we have to thank him for that. He's in love with the book, oh. and uh, oh, thank he, you, yes, sir. He wanted to get it autographed. That's what come. <laughs> and his his you know, wife and... I, I've got long arms, I'm
1: told, but they're not that.
0: <laughs> no, but the funniest thing, Pat, his wife and everybody said, "Get out of here!" He told you to come to his house. <laughs> he couldn't even believe it. Well, I'll let him tell him, Frank. This is our world. <laughs> Hollywood Godfather podcast. And
2: welcome to it. Welcome, Frank. Thank you. It's 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 really a pleasure to be here. Um, I'm a huge fan of The Godfather, and now I'm a huge fan of this podcast. And I'm, I've been telling friends and family and everyone to subscribe because it, it's just one story after another. And it just gets more and more amazing as I listen to it. And the book, I can't put the book down. And like Gianni Your said, chat is in the mail, Frank. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I'll do it much. for free. I'll do it for free. Um, <laughs> that's what Even better. <laughs> but when, when I was reading, you know, I'm I listening to the podcast, and I told my wife, I said, oh, I'm going to send him a message on Instagram because I started following him on Instagram. And she said, he's not going to have to reply to you. What do you, how do you mind? So <clears throat> it was probably about midnight, I think. And all of a sudden, ding, and I said, he, just, he just sent me a message. He just replied to me. She was like, no way. And then we started going right. back and forth. Yeah, and when he invited me to come here um i said he's invited me to go to his apartment to to be on the podcast because he just he just invited you to his house i said well, i'm sure he checked me out first <laughs> <laughs> no, do, yeah. no but i have enough guns so so to me uh like, like i said i'm a huge godfather fan and for me to be with like i, I said to jenny earlier all the stories and the book and the podcast and all that he's done in his life for me to be a part just a small part of that is amazing to me it's just it's just amazing.
1: well Frank we are we are equal opportunity podcasters <laughs> <laughs>
3: yes definitely so
2: you t- you are very
1: welcome thank you for uh, for stopping by oh
0: thank perfect. you I
2: appreciate it it's an, it's an honor
1: okay but you know yeah. and
0: I, as I, we started to talk and we'll share with our listeners the parallels that he's telling me He's from Staten Island and he's been to my grandfather's grotto, a lady of Mont Carmel, that my grandfather built in respect to if all his sons came back from the Second World War. Because my grandmother's patron saint was lady of Mont Carmel. And so July 16th. I didn't know
1: that.
0: Well, we never talked about it. You know, there's so much to talk about. But uh, and he, he met me there many years ago, 20, 30 years ago. I used to go there all the time. I used to carry yeah. the saint through the streets and, and all that. It's funny yeah.
2: because I remember, yeah, like I said, it was, it was over twenty years ago, and so I mean, when you walked in, it was like the pope walked in, well, like all the was. old ladies from Rosebank, all the old time. <laughs> <like>, oh, <yeah. laughs> it was like the pope walked in the in the place, and and that's when I saw you there. And and uh, my uncle, like I said, my uncle Tony lived right next door to the Grotto, right, right. Um, so I had family root, I had roots down there. Um, I was there a long time. I was down there a long time, hanging out. I had a lot of friends from there. So what what do you do as a a professional? Um, I'm a a New York City housing inspector. Oh, so you're the guy. Yeah, I'm the guy. (laughs) No, he's the guy. They um, they need a (laughs) hundred more. I was actually in the, um, I was a maintenance director for many, many years. And... uh, my father was a fireman for 30 years, and he, we, we lost him in 2015 from 9-11 cancer. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. Uh, and then I said, you know, I want to work for the city. I want to do something for the city. And the only thing I could do with my expertise is in, in housing, to, to, to be an inspector. So I became an inspector, and I've been doing that ever since. Oh. Well,
0: well, we won't get into that because of the it. <laughs> oh, my <okay>. yeah. uh. God. <laughs> I know you don't want to lose it's, your job. Oh, I'll, it doesn't matter so he, Yeah, <laughs> You can tells say whatever me, you want about him.
1: Me, <laughs> what is it, Pat? Something tells me he didn't want to so much uh, come to the studio as he is trying to avoid Mayor de Blasio. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Who's going to look for him at your place? That's true. <laughs> Not here. Yeah.
0: Well, de Blasio right. is never well, it was great for you to stop by, my friend. Thank you. I really appreciate and, uh, it. You're welcome to hang and listen to more of the show or whatever. Sure. And, yeah. Or Maggie could show you out. Whatever your <laughs> pleasure <laughs> is. Well, yeah.
2: I, I'd like
3: to
0: listen for a little while. Yeah, please. Yeah, hang yeah, around. Of
3: course. Let's get into it.
0: Yeah. Well, uh, the topic tonight is a very interesting topic movie actors with mob ties.
1: Ooh. Whoa. Ooh.
0: And we got a lot of them. I couldn't believe them. <laughs> oh.
1: <laughs> The you f- know, doing the research on this, I think there's there's more movie actors with mob ties than there are movie actors without mob ties. Hmm. Well, there's a lot of movie I actors mean, that think they, I, think they, I, they yeah, have I'm them, too. I'm just looking into Turn. this, as, as you have been. Yeah. There's, uh, there's quite a few people who are friends of uh, friends, so to speak. Well,
0: the, the one that comes to my mind immediately, because he was doing an audition, unbeknownst to him doing an audition, because uh, most of our fans and people who know the book... I my acting, my debut was in a movie called The Godfather, and I was able to arrange a piece between Joe Colombo, and uh, and uh, Paramount. And when, when I arranged the, the meeting up in uh, in Gulf from Western Building, which is now Trump, they said come at nine thirty in the morning. So I was using a lot of dialogue from the book to impress these people from the God, from the Paramount. So Colombo, <laughs> I said, well, I, he's gonna come, but Butter-Ass Chico's coming, Big Lenny, uh, well, it well, looked like the original cast of The Godfather. And when I meant Big Lenny, it was Lenny Montana who played Luke huh. So they're all there, and I'm seeing Coppola looking at him, looking at him, and he met, That was his acting debut. And if we all remember the scene, he was studying his lines and reading it outside. And a lot of stuff was that ad lib. And Francis said, reco- you know, film that. Because Lenny was not an actor. And now that you think about it, what <coughs> goon, like a guy that he was, an enforcer, would be reading his lines? <laughs> he would just come in. He talks to the God for a long time. But the lay people never caught on to it. When I saw it in the movie, I said, "Why are they putting his rehearsal in the movie?" But it worked. But uh, it, it worked
1: very well. And, you know, yeah, so, yeah, I mean, and 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 he was not aware that that was being shot as he was going over those lines, right?
0: No, no, definitely not. Yeah. Well, he was a wrestler for a long time. Yeah, he was 360 pounds. This guy, he's a oh real guy. Oh my gosh! No, and uh, but unfortunately, that you know, on June 28th, Colombo. Well, got assassinated and went into a coma for years. And he lost his acting career. Thank God that didn't happen to me. <laughs> yeah,
3: thank goodness.
0: Yeah,
1: no, well, the evening is still young. Uh, no, nah, I shouldn't say that. Okay. If anybody cares, uh, Lenny Montana's real name was Leonardo Passafaro. Mm.
0: Okay. You, N- no wonder oh, he changed I was just going to say, where'd you uh, get that? But you're a detective.
1: <laughs> I'm a detective. I detected it.
0: He
3: detected it. Good job.
0: Good job. Yeah. Well, I know you, you, you <laughs> brought you. something up, too. Oh, you know what I like about Lenny? Lenny, what? Frank, you're going to like this story. <laughs> Lenny was an arsonist. And he got his, I mean, and so, you know, we're saying to her? how did you become an arsonist? So I came up with this idea. I said, what was your idea? He said, well, nobody would take these jobs. He'd burned down four or five-story buildings. Simultaneously.
3: And how they
0: do it? And we're talking this in the 60s, they're not electronics or nothing. Yeah. So he tells us how he did it. I couldn't believe it. <laughs> he'd go in and put five-gallon drums of kerosene and just pour it all over the place. Then he'd go out into the neighborhood and he'd get rats and mice and collect them. And then he'd tie tampons to their tail and soak them in the kerosene then they bring them to the building, like them, and they all run it to the building, and the whole building went out. Cool. This is crazy. See, but when they come and inspect it, they don't find that. They find rats and mice that are in the building anyway.
3: Just picturing him collecting but, rats.
0: But imagine mm-hmm. this. It was ridiculous. And everybody would hire me. Want something? Burning, he'll burn
1: it. You know, that's going to go into my next book. Somehow, I'm going to get it in. But I will give Mr. Pasifaro credit credit creditors due. Oh, yeah. That's, 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 re- that's really ingenious.
0: Well, another, I mean, this guy is an out and out criminal. So, Betty McCart, who was Al Ruddy's executive secretary in the movie, and she was a good friend to all of us. And, you know, she anybody needed anything, she'd get it done. So, one day, her watch broke, which is not an expensive watch. So, Lenny says, Miss McCart, if you could have any watch in the world, what would you like to have? He says, Well, I'd like to have an antique Tiffany diamond watch. A week goes by with a regular Kleenex. He goes to the desk and he puts the, a watch on. They don't know what it was, it was Kleenex. She opens it up and it's a diamond antique watch. He says, Well, the boys, you know, we, do, we treat her so well. She says, I can't take this. He said, You gotta take this. What am I gonna do with it now? He says, What do you mean? <laughs> he says, Well, the watch is clean, but don't
1: wear it in Florida. <laughs> 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 you, you, can't
3: oh, oh, you can't make this stuff up. Oh, that's classic. You can't
1: make this stuff up.
0: But you you found out about, what's the name, though, right, too? Uh uh Mo Green. Alex
1: Rocco? Oh. Yeah, Alex hey, this Rocco. Guy had a, This guy had a very colorful past. and it, it started out with the Winter Hill Gang in Boston, which was uh, Whitey Baltimore. Yeah, I know. Gang. He yeah. was with them. He was with him for a while. He got in a lot of trouble. He was indicted for murder. I'm talking about uh, Alex Rocco, the actor who was in The Godfather, who played you? Mo Green. Uh, he beat it, and he decided then and there that he's got to get out of Boston, or otherwise his life is going to be ruined. And he uh, made his way out to L.A. with no intentions of ever becoming an actor. And uh, he had quite a career. He made a lot of movies.
0: Oh yeah, I mean, I I didn't know that, and I got to, I, I I really didn't have any scenes with him, and I was a guy that yeah. just you know goes on sets when they were like in and uh, and that was all shot in a hotel in New York, so if I wasn't working, yeah. I wasn't on the set. I, I didn't want to do that, but uh, I, there was so many people. I mean, th- that whole. Well, he crew, also
1: served he, he served time in the can for a, a brawl in a bar, but other than that, he didn't serve any jail time. That was it.
0: Hmm. Well, you know, the, when Luco Brazzi, as I pointed out earlier, when they uh, when they hired Luco Brazzi, I mean, not Luco um Barzini, Richard Conti, I love Richard Conti. Cause, yeah. See, when I first met all the actors, I was in, enamored with, you know, obviously Brando, Sterling Hayden, yeah. Luco Brazzi, John Morley. I mean, Luca, why could you go back to <laughs> Luco Brazzi? I got Barzini in my head, okay. Richard oh. Conti. These guys were the old thespians. I didn't know these new people. You know, Jimmy Conn, Pacino, had one movie under his belt. And Jimmy Conn, I knew him from Brian's song because he was just on television. a Big hit. But other than that, I didn't know him. Yeah. But um, it was crazy times. But Mo Green, that, that's interesting. And, and he knew Whitey? Yeah.
1: Wow. He was in his gang. He was in the Winter Hill Gang.
0: That's funny. You know, and Whitey was was on the lam, I don't know how many years, in California with him and his girlfriend.
1: How many? Thirteen.
0: Thirteen years, my God.
1: Well, I... I, You know but they were looking
0: for? Go ahead, I'm sorry.
1: They were were looking for the wrong person. When they decided to to change gears, instead of looking for Whitey, they started looking for his girlfriend, and they found him in three months.
0: Well, that's how they got him. I didn't know.
1: Yeah, she was going with the hairdressers. She was going out. He yeah. stayed in the house most of the time. He, he very rarely went out. Well, he, uh, he used to come they to they my house on up, uh-huh. Sundays.
0: <laughs> I had well, a house you know. up on Mulholland Drive. So, you know, I, 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 somebody told me, and I went to see him. The guy just, in fact, the guy who's the head of Boston now is a very <laughs> close friend of mine. And he said, here's a number call. He didn't say who it was. Mm-hmm. And it was Whitey. So, I had him come to my house a couple of Sundays and meet my two little kids. And I introduced him as Uncle White. Uh,
1: <laughs> uh, that's good parenting. Oh, yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, that, that's only one of 100 years of good behavior used to come to my house.
1: Oh, my yeah, sure. Uh, that was crazy. Yeah, crazy. no, the, the, the FBI was, uh, uh, you know, there were. Launched this international manhunt for this guy, and it got to the point where people were, were trying to say they're not really looking for him. I mean, it was a worldwide hunt, and they couldn't find him, so they they switched gears and they went after the girlfriend, and they found him right away.
0: Well, as you know, for the longest time, he was a a, a, a snitch, basically with the FBI.
1: Well, that's why he, that's well, that's why he that's why. Uh, people were saying that they're not really looking for Of him.
0: course. And mm-hmm. I but they were. Because they, they didn't want him to spill the beans. And these, the, two of those head guys went down with that, didn't they though?
1: Yeah, one one FBI agent, uh, uh, John, the, 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 the name will come to me, but it doesn't make a difference. It's the, it, this was his handler for 20 years. This was Whitey Bulger's handler, getting all the information. Uh, he did 10 years for a uh, warning uh people about impending indictments, etc. The day he gets out, he's an FBI agent. It's 10 years. You don't see that so often. Wow. The day he gets out, he gets rearrested with something else involved in organized crime, and he went back in for another 10. Oh. And uh, he's, as far as I know, I think he's still in. But uh, Bulger basically corrupted the whole Boston field office of the FBI. Wow. And he was, and he was smart about it, too. It starts out with, you know, you want uh, tickets to this football game, or you want to take your wife. To Miami, you want, and it just escalates before you know it, they're all doing him favors. He was a smart guy.
0: No, I tell you, uh, another actor that really was connected, and I didn't know how connected till later on until the 70s, was a guy I really loved as an actor, George Raft. Mm-hmm. He was a great looking mm-hmm. guy. And so I get him, I get a message from Costello. He says, You got to go over to London. I said, What for? He said, Just I I, you know. He said, you'll see when you get there. I said, okay. And I I very very rarely asked him anything, but now I'm going to London. Most of the stuff I was doing is all through the country. And uh, he said, when you get there, go to the Colonial Club. That's the Colonial Club. Yeah, he said, it's a casino over there. So I go there and I can't believe Angelo Bruno from Philadelphia and Maya Lansky are the owners of it in London. And George Raft is the host. <laughs> Running into... The The building is in his name. They had to call me back. I loved hanging out with him. Everybody was... You know, this is a real guy. But now, you know, but in the movies, George Raft was a legend. The women loved him. It was smart business. Did he
1: actually, did he actually act, or was he playing himself?
0: I I don't know that. I mean, I never was on the set with him. But now that I know that he's a gangster, he was just playing, playing himself.
2: Yeah.
1: But... Uh, yeah, very sharp dresser too. That's what oh my he was God! Known yeah, for. very, uh, very, very sharp.
0: Well, that's one thing. When you were those studio actors, I mean, uh, when I mean uh, when the studios like Fox, they had a whole thing. They groomed you. They gave you dance lessons, singing lessons. Not like now. It's uh, you know. So if you
1: were uh, if you were under contract, you were getting paid whether you were working or not.
0: Right, they not gave much. You, by the way. You no, no, you're not yeah. getting paid much. No, they gave you a base pay. They they yeah. even actually arranged for you, for uh, especially was making even third or fourth roles in movies. It would be that uh, you, you have to live where they want you to live, go to restaurants where because they wanted you to get to be known and get publicity. So he was yeah. one of them. They were the, the the under contract. There was only like four major studios then. And everybody wanted those jobs because they basically escalated you. The only problem I ever had with a lady under contract was Marilyn. Because mm-hmm. Marilyn, you know, the the Xanax at Fox, they they were abusing her to death. And she just didn't know. I mean, when she heard about the casting couch, she was the only one who went over and cleaned it. <laughs> yeah. But you know, she was so naive. It was uh-huh. terrible. That's how I got yeah, to meet know. her, though. Because she came here for that year to study with Lee Strasberg, right. and and Costello hit her out in the, in the Waldorf, but to be those contract players, they were the best. I mean, unbelievable.
1: Yeah, but if you were getting paid like uh, under contract, you're getting paid. and This is 40 years ago, uh, even more, you know, two hundred dollars a week. When you got to be in a movie, you were still making the two hundred dollars a week, right?
0: No, 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 no. What they yeah. no. What, first of all. If you were being cast into the movie, they had a budget already. But they wanted you to be escalated. But the next film, till the next film, you went back to the 200. So they owned you. You couldn't work anywhere else. I mean, we had studios that would call a studio to lend a person. And if they thought it was good for their career, they would release you to go do a pitch and come back.
1: So when did that contract system end?
0: Oh, I think... The only guy that I knew was in it yet was, um, he plays a cowboy all the time. He's still doing movies. Uh, a big, big, tall guy. But anyway, he was the last one that I remember. And then another kid, kid from uh, New Jersey. His father, his brother was a football player. And uh, he did Valley of the Dolls. So that had to be... But that was
1: in the early 70s. So they, yeah. so they-, they-, they still had contracts in the yeah. early 70s. And that
0: was the end of it. Yeah. But uh, you know, it's crazy. But you know, it's uh, well, uh, m-
1: moving on to the Sopranos. We got a c- couple of real winners here. Oh yeah, uh, I, was, Robert, I was just what?
0: I was just re- reacquainted with a lot of that soprano con,
1: which was yeah. It was in fact it was it was just last weekend, so yeah. uh, Saturday, Sunday, and Monday or Friday, Saturday, Sunday, yeah. whatever it was. But they had like a twenty thousand person turnout there. I know. Wow, it is huge. Uh, all, all the soprano, Well, not all the Soprano actors, but the majority of them. But the kid, this was one of my favorite lines. Robert Eiler, who played A.J., who was uh, Anthony Soprano's son, he was a spoiled kid, very weak. Uh, when the series started, he was like 12 or 13. Anyway, uh, when he was 16 years old, he was arrested for robbery. He robbed a couple of tourists. And when he got, uh, when he got pinched, he gets brought into Midtown South, a precinct in Manhattan, and he said, you don't know who you're dealing with. Do you know who my fake father is? Oh, my gosh. He's <laughs> oh. an intelligent guy.
3: <laughs> yeah, right. I mean, he didn't have
1: anything else to hang his hat on, so he went with his <laughs> fake father, you know? And, you know, they, 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 you know, they had uh, no idea that he was in The Sopranos, and they cared less. But uh, uh, but there were other... Uh, Tony uh, Sirocco, uh, who, uh, Sirico, 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 rather, yeah, who played, yeah, yeah. Who, 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 uh, who played Paulie, yeah, you know, Paulie Walnuts. This guy had 28 arrests, uh, robbery, weapons, drugs. He was a Colombo associate, I think, uh, right, Johnny? Yeah.
0: Well, but you not know, only he was a Colombo associate. Yeah, he was a Colombo uh, associate. But, you know, a lot of my friends were there calling me from there, thinking I was going to be there. I said, why? Because like, they. Uh, well, you were
1: asked to be there.
0: I was asked to be. I wouldn't go. No, I mean if they yeah, gave no, me ten thousand, I would show I, 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 sure I, I
1: got the message. Yeah, yeah. But the yeah, uh,
0: <laughs> but you know who went out there? Oh. The guy who just optioned our book, Nick, Valla, Nick uh Nick was there, and they brought the green door, the the car from the green uh, book, green book, yeah, and all that there. And, yeah, and he was. There were very few people who were actually working actors. The, the whole cast is. Uh, they had, I think, twenty three original cast members. And none of them—they're were, were all out of work. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, and, and quite a few of those twenty-three really had little or no acting experience. Uh, Tony Darrow—Tony uh, uh, Darrow, I should say. You, you know him, Johnny, right?
0: Yeah, he's done a lot of stuff, though. But he—he was, he was like uh, half his bookmaker in Sherlock.
1: He got—he got pinched. No yeah, well, he got uh, an extortion conviction. Right. He did time for extortion. I mean, yeah, uh, no, John, extortion
0: because it was bit, a long, John
1: Jinnambiglia. I can pronounce that right. I mean, John Vitamiglia. He played uh, Artie Bucco, the uh, the weak restaurant owner. His wife pushed him around. Tony pushed him around. He cried a lot. He had quite a few convictions: drug possession, burglary. What? I mean, I I, I think that was a prerequisite to get a part on that show, man. You, you had to have taken the collar. <laughs> That's funny. Well, they,
0: they most of those guys did uh, Goodfellas, you know, too. Yeah, true. Tony yeah. Darrow was in Goodfellas. I remember. that.
1: Yeah. Yeah, he got uh, uh, snatched across the head with a bottle, if I recall. That was the
0: famous right, Yeah. Well, you uh, know, Frankie
1: Valli of the Four Seasons. Oh, well, Frankie
0: loved doing that show. Frankie, Frankie, yeah. well, Frankie was groomed by a couple of guys, and anyway, we all know the story of Jip Chicago That was, you know, how they started with the uh, what were the Four Seasons, and they they never let him go, man. And then my friend uh, Louis Dome.
1: Yeah, Louis, he had uh, he attached to the generation
0: of right. And that, that's where he ran. He ran from there to Genevieve's mob, and then Louie had him forever.
1: Hold on a second. Hello? Yeah. Okay, okay. I just lost it there for a minute. Uh, yeah, he had ties to the uh, Genevieve's mob. Right.
0: Well, because of Louie. But the interesting thing, I get a call, you know, uh, everybody around me close knows that I'm close to Bobby De Niro. So Bobby yeah. calls me, and he's going to make a movie called Analyze This. I said, great, congratulations with Billy Crystal. Funny movie. So he wanted to get to know a major guy. Because as his character in the movie, Bobby's character, he killed a lot of people. But Bobby's that guy. He wants to know somebody. And I don't know why he would think I would know anybody killed anybody. But I put him. (laughs)
1: Oh, that's a a stretch, man. That's a real stretch.
0: So I put him with a guy. I said, I've got your guy. But this guy is a, a real guy. He said, that's what I want. And, and nobody really knew the guy. They knew him as Fat Andy. And he hung out with this guy for about six months. And in fact, the guy is so real, he's doing 100 years right now. He's oh. never coming out. But he wanted to know and just psych out how, because in the character in the movie, De Niro, was, you know, that's why Billy Crystal was his psychiatrist. And he was confessing. But murder, you, there's no statutes on murder. He had to watch who he was going to say, And everybody was worried about him. They want to whack him because he was going okay, to there
1: was them. a great, there was a great sequence in that movie where uh, uh, Robert De Niro was trying to go straight. He he winds up being a used car salesman. He's showing this uh, couple, you know, like from Scarsdale, uh, a, a, a car in a showroom. And he opens a trunk. He said, this trunk here will fit four bodies. <laughs> That's a funny line, and, and the guy's looking at him. So now, you know, well, you want the car or not? You know, <laughs> that, was, that was a great line. That's
0: a funny line. That's a yeah. so so. Obviously, you, you watched the movie.
1: <laughs> oh, several times. I mean, uh, whatever he's in, he's great.
0: No, it's That's crazy. It's crazy.
3: So, what about James? And Con? we got. Was he really connected, or did he just like to think he was?
0: Jimmy Conn, when they gave him that part, he thought he got a button. <laughs> <laughs> and he still does. I mean, I mean, talk about a wannabe, my on this kid. He almost got me killed, though. We all know about yeah, that shit. Yeah, we
3: know shit.
1: that. Yeah, we yeah. are. Yeah, uh, but... yeah. Read the
0: book. And Read yeah. the book, right. And the book we're talking well, about happens to be Drumroll. What's the name of the book? Burp. Burp. What's the name of the, the drum book? Roll. I don't have any drums. What can I tell
1: you? That
3: was a good one, though. You just ruined
0: it. Hollywood well, Godfather it podcast.
3: Well, the book's not the but, podcast.
0: I mean, that's right. I'm sorry. <laughs> now it is. <laughs> that was a test, Megan. <laughs> we'll see if you'll listen. A test.
1: we
3: see good. if you listen.
0: So, what, what, who else we got to talk about
1: in this? We got, we got, we got Joe Namath.
0: Hmm. Oh yeah, he got in trouble too. He lost his job. I love that.
1: Bar. I, I used to live in that bar of uh, uh, Bachelors Street on Third Avenue, was Sixty Second right? Street, I think it was. Yeah. What they a had, nice job that was. Yeah, Gangsters, I mean, cops, modern hookers. Everybody. I mean, you name it, they were there. And But he got jammed up in that place. Uh, I don't know if it was with the IRS
0: or what. It was with the IRS. But, uh, not only don't... with the IRS, it was with the liquor department because one of okay. the stupid bar managers was buying booze and bringing it in. Now, I don't know if the guy was stupid enough to think he was going to rob these guys, but at the end of the night, when you start seeing bottles... There's more bottles in the trash
1: than in the, in the liquor. <laughs> <room. laughs>
0: How they get there? I own too many bars. they get a lot but uh,
1: but that, he, he 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 was and uh, John Emmett was there a lot, which means he brought in a lot of. Oh yeah, people no, he brought was in uh, a lot yeah. of women. I mean, there's lines to get into that. You know, and all of a sudden, one day, it's gone.
0: Well, you know, as you pointed out, him being uh, uh, him being on the jets, number one, and the people that were major bookmakers are hanging around there, that didn't look oh, too good for in? his image. And and like you said, Joe Coffee, every every detector was hanging in there. Also,
1: yeah, I think it was you know the most hot spots in, in the city. are Cops and wise guys, they gravitate to it, uh, and everybody gets along inside the bar, inside the club. Of course, right, when they're out, right, it's a right. different story. But there was always a mutual respect uh, when you were in clubs. You know, nobody bothered anybody. Everybody did their own thing. Everybody was very respectful and polite. Right. Uh, New York is a different place. Tr- you know, try doing that in L.A., I don't think it would happen. Well, no, no. And, you
0: know, I, I, I hate to point it out. Not that cops take uh, money under the table, Pat. You know that. No. No, they don't do no. that. No. But, you know, that was another reason a lot of cops came by because they they Of course, you know, they it was a different, it was
1: a different yeah. time. It was 60s, 70s, man. It was, uh, it was a wide open town.
0: But one of the one of the great actors that I got to know early on, before we run out of time, is Jerry Orbach. I mean, Jerry Orbach knew every gangster in New York. He's from New York. And the guy that loved the most was Crazy Joe Gallo. And he was with Crazy Joe Gallo for his 43rd birthday at the COPA. And it's so crazy because I was there that night. Don Rickles was on stage. Jerry was there with his wife and Crazy Joe was with his wife. So well, that... For, for, for,
1: for, the, for the listeners who were trying to make a connection, Jerry Orbach was in Law and Order for many years. Right. He, he played a detective named Lenny Briscoe. So Perfect. that's the connection to people who are trying to place him.
0: Well, my connection with him was. was in a film with um, Steven Seagal. And uh, I was in that film, Jerry was the cop with Seagal on the job. And as John and used to call him um Stephen Siegel. I said, No, John he's He's not title Siegel. It's Segal. His name is Segal. I said, okay, whatever you want. <laughs> Only for many years later, to our listeners don't realize this. This is how stupid Stephen Siegel is. He testified against the Gottis, and Peter just got out. So now he had a bigger problem. But let's let's Joe Gallo first. So now they leave the Copa. And a lot of us used to go to Mott Street. 14 Mott was the place in Chinatown. So they go down there. And it's just the, the two couples. And 14 Mott, they were exterminating it. So they couldn't open that night. So Jerry Orbach does, doesn't does realize what's going on with with the Pavacci family and the Colombo family and the Gambino family at this time. So Jerry says, why don't we go to Umberto's on Mulberry Street? Because they're open all night. And, and Crazy Joe Gallo don't say anything to him. They go. Well, That's why they call
1: him Crazy Joe Gallo. But then again, <laughs> that area was supposed to be off limits.
0: Well, yeah, but not not if there's a, a
1: contract on you. Hello. <laughs> there's nothing Oh, off that doesn't him. get suspended? I, I must have seen the wrong movie. Yeah, yeah.
0: no, no, no. Yeah, that, that. No. Okay, all right. So now a kid that's been trying to get made with the Gambinos, he calls the club because he passed Umberto's and he sees him. His name was Sonny Pinto. So he calls. The old man wouldn't be there. Gambino's home in Brooklyn. O'Neill's there because O'Neill always had a game at night. So he says, uh, Neil, he says, uh, you ain't going to believe he was on the street. He says, who's on the street? He says, uh, Crazy Joe Gallo. He says, you're kidding me. Where is he? He's in Umberto's. He's, give me my, give me, would you give me the permission to whack him? Because the kid was trying to make his bones. He's, go ahead. So he went over and got his gun. He walks in there, and thank God the guy has a good shot. He unloads on the guy. Then the two wives are sitting on each side of him. I mean, talk about crazy stuff. Jerry Rubak, and, and, and you know, uh, Pat, Joe Corby. Could never close the case. They brought they brought Jerry Orbach in a hundred times, and he said, "Wait a yeah, minute." Yeah,
1: at the yeah at the end, Jerry Orbach said, "I wasn't there." Everybody knew he was there. Yeah, <laughs> but I mean, he wasn't under oath. I mean, he was talking to detectives, and he said, "I wasn't there. I'm not, you, you can't get anything out of me because I don't know anything."
0: And I'm and, and you know and after a while. Because they never closed the case. And joe that was Joe Coffey's case. And he likes to close cases, like most detectives. But he, he finally sat down. He said, listen, do you think I'm going to say who came in there and shot him? First of all, I don't know the guy. But still, I saw nothing. I, I wasn't there. And finally, the news <laughs> people let him alone. Because like you pointed yeah. out, Pat, if, if you, who's going to be attracted to you when you say I wasn't there? The story's over. Exactly. Oh. Yeah, it's
1: over. It's yeah. crazy.
3: Anybody else? Nah, or have we, think, we run through them? I think we've well, right. we well, got well, a lot. One, he, more, but, one more, but he's on, a,
1: he's on a periphery. Tony Bennett.
3: Oh, oh Bennett. yeah. What was that? What's that well, about? Well, Bennett. See,
0: like I, I, when I was getting my gaming license, believe it or not, I have a gaming license. I got CCWs. But when I was getting my gaming license from my, my club in Vegas, I, I went before the, uh, the hearing commission, and I said, before we go on record, because I knew where they were going, I said, I'd like to say something to all the, all the uh, commissioners. I said, Your, Your Honor, I'm an Italian-American. And the chairman and all that. I said, I know every mobster in the world. I, I met them during the Kennedy elections. I met everybody I had to meet. Plus, every nightclub was owned by mobsters. So, like Sinatra, the Bennetts, everybody. If you wanted to work in a good club, Like the Cobra was owned by Frank Costello. You know, Shea Paris in Chicago was owned by another, you you go down the road. So that's how Bennett got hooked up into it. Because a lot of these guys run to him, like Sinatra. Sinatra ran from New York to go to Chicago. And so Chicago called and said, your boy is here. So Costello said, now we both own him. (laughs) That's how stupid it
1: was. (laughs) What a way to go through life, man. Yeah.
0: I think it's time for the mailbag. All right.
3: Time right, for the mailbag. Oh. Okay. First, I'm going to start out with a comment from someone named Lou. Lou says I listened to the audiobook to keep me company on my one plus hour commute to work. Gianni has a very interesting story. Love the accent being from New York myself. Love the podcast. It's a great supplement to the book, almost like a behind the scenes look. Keep up the great work.
0: Well, thank you, thank you. Nice. Thank you very much. Hey, listen, we, we, we got a, a, a fan here. You want to contribute something? You got a question, Frank? From Staten Island is here.
2: <laughs> Live! <laughs> um, not really a question, it's just, it, you know, I'm fascinated with all the stories. I mean, it's, how can you not be? And to listen to this podcast, and it's just story after story, it's, you can't not listen. Once you start listening, That it's, it's you're hooked. You're hooked. And my... You know I, I wanted to ask him, which we we touched on earlier, was your connection with elvis because yeah. i'm a I'm, I'm a- I'm a huge Elvis fan i'm going to be fifty years old I've been a Elvis fan since I'm six Wow, when my father bought me my first elvis album so and it's it's more than just a fan and and when you started to talking about your connection with him and how you knew him and traveled with him, I was just that well I was it.
0: enamored with Elvis like so many other people, but then when he started hanging out and we had an actual, some of the fans already know, we were watching a cowboy movie one night, we had a live ammunition shootout. We <laughs> shot the great. whole suite 3,000 up, the walls, the <laughs> That's steel. That's the
3: craziest story. Thank I God nobody is.
0: was upstairs, we would going to kill somebody. We are all shooting still through wow. us.
2: That's crazy.
3: Insane.
0: What else you got? All, all right, on next one.
3: one. So Thank I you. have a question from Eve for Gianni. Eve asks, how did you get along with Diane Keaton?
0: Diane Keaton's nuts, she's still good for mine <laughs> Diane Keaton is such a regular person. Like I go to Beverly Hills, I call Diane Keaton. Because I, I used to keep a table for years at Il Postayo. I don't hang out there that much. But she'd always come and join us. By the end of the day, on a Friday afternoon, we'd have 30, 40 people out. Wow. They love me coming That's there. <laughs> but anyway, I like Diane Keaton, your answer.
1: Yes.
3: All right, next one is from Robert. Robert asks for Gianni, have you ever met Sonny Liston, the fighter, and do you know if the mob had anything to do with his demise?
0: I don't know anything about that. I heard rumors, but I never met. Yeah, I, I, heard I rumors saw too. Sonny Liston in the ring getting beat by uh, mm. uh, Al, uh, Muhammad, Muhammad Ali. Ali. But, uh, but I, I didn't know Sonny, no.
3: Got it. Okay, so next one is from Alex for Pat. Pat, Alex asks, what would you say was the craziest case you ever worked on?
1: There were so many. Oh. I, I, I could, you know, you talk about cases. I mean, I I, I spent quite a, quite some time with uh, Yoko Ono after John Lennon was killed. He guarded her. I was head of security for Howard Stern. Uh, the police stuff I'd rather not discuss. Mm-hmm.
0: But, 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 but Pat, uh, Pat would you, uh, but, You're just touching on John Lennon after, and you know it yeah. because you, you were you had the detail. After he was assassinated, there was a whole group that wanted to take her out now.
3: And well, just-
1: yeah, well, that's why she wound up hiring security uh, 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 at the outset after John was killed. Uh, by the way, they were, they were very pro-cop, uh, both of them. They, they offered to buy bulletproof vests for every cop on the job, the 48,000 of them at the time, because the job would not spring for bulletproof vests for their own cops. So they offered to buy a vest for every cop. You know how many millions that would have cost? It embarrassed the city so much that they wound up spending the money to buy the vests. Uh, and that's how cops got their bulletproof vests. Uh, but uh, after John was killed, every nut, as you mentioned, came out of the woodwork looking to kill her. So, uh, you know, we were working uh, at least four at a time around her uh, when she left the apartment. She lived in the Dakota on 72nd. Yeah. Uh, she had the entire uh, the entire eighth floor. We had to black out all the windows, painted all the windows black. But so Central Park was across the street. You know, you, you you could put a sniper in a tree, and that's the end of whoever's walking past that window. I mean, there are crazy people out there. Mm-hmm. You know, with the uh, uh, the good old days. 1986, I think that was. Wow. Hmm. All
3: right. So next one is from Lynn. For Gianni, she wants to know about Whitey Bulger, who we were talking a little bit about earlier. <laughs> so Lynn asks, was the mob looking for him because he was such a rat? Did you hear anything about his murder in jail? And was it a hit or really just some random prisoner?
0: I, I don't know for a fact, but I would think two people would want to kill him. The mob and the FBI. <laughs> he destroyed everybody you know, on he, his was side. Tra- he was
1: transferred to the prison he was killed in. He was there for a day. Uh, and uh, somebody... Came in with a sock full of padlocks. A guy that was doing triple life. He was elected to take him out. He went in and he beat him to death with this sock full of locks to the point where I mean, I don't know if we have a family audience wait, here. But the way you're saying it, it, wait, this though? Why a, a, a sock not a full of way. locks
0: for the gates and, and regular yes,
1: locks? Yeah, regular padlocks. Locks. Wow. Yeah. Uh, and they, they beat him uh, to the point where he was unrecognizable. Oh but they God. beat him to death in, in, in such short notice. Basically, he was just transferred to that jail, that prison, because he was a rat.
0: Well, that's why. And, they and
1: tr- you know, tr- you, tr- they tr- always get you. In, always get you in the end. You know, and they waited all this time, and they got him. And the guy now is doing quadruple life rather than triple life. But he's a hero. He's a, he's an icon in his own prison. Oh yeah, they probably you know? take good care of him. It's a different society. Yeah. All right. And what do you got next?
3: All right, so next one is from Freddie for Gianni. Freddie asks, any comments on the passing of Godfather producer Robert Evans?
0: Oh, wow. Bobby was great. I mean, without Evans pulling the strings in, in Paramount, he fought for me to stay in the movie. And Bobby, when, when Bobby came to New York, he never went to the set. He never went anywhere. He stood in the, in the Sherry Netherlands in the penthouse that he had. Most people don't know. His family comes from wealth from New York in the garment industry, Evans Bacon, that his mother created the, the stirrup lady slacks that had the stirrup underneath the foot when they had the spandex material so it don't slide up. That's his mother. And his brother Charlie, Charlie took a bit for him. Most people don't notice. Uh, when they did the cotton club here, they actually had a line item in the budget. For cocaine, wow! <laughs> and yeah, he, he had a
1: big reputation for cocaine, yeah. yeah.
0: and the girl yeah. who was their supplier wound up dead. Oh. And there was a big investigation, and Bobby was the head of Paramount, and his brother was so loyal to him, he took the beef, wow. which is amazing. Can't hear this only where only way in the world? Right here. Yeah, right, right here. These facts are no, not
1: around. <laughs> What do
3: you got next? All right. So next one is from Sarah for Gianni. Sarah asks, when did you first decide you wanted to be an actor?
1: All my
0: life. <laughs> That's a good he, question. He's Sarah, acting now. I'm acting now. But my the okay. first impression I had, uh, I was a young kid. I was hanging around. I remember it was like 1959, 60, and I was on a, a, a detail. Like Pat always says I'm on a the detail. They sent me to the Sands Hotel in Vegas. And my job was to watch the people who were watching Senator John F. Kennedy, like Peter Lawford and Sinatra and all that. And I got there, and I'm watching the Rat Pack doing two shows a night. And during the day, they were shooting Ocean's Eleven. And i was saying, when do these guys sleep? I didn't know about that white powder they were snorting doing <laughs> everything else they were doing. But I was on the set for that. And then the one thing Frank said to me, why don't you come to Florida? We're gonna start the Tony Rome s- series down there. Come on the set. And I've, I always wanted to be an actor. And I you know, was surrounded by great actors. I love Dean, you know, Sammy. They're all great guys. So I, that's when I really said, I'm gonna do this. Got
3: it. All right, so next one is from Dee for Gianni. Dede asks, what motivated you to open State Street in Las Vegas?
0: That's a classic story and you're gonna hear it for the first time. I just borrowed $72 million from the Teamsters, and not unbeknownst to me, Corky Savella, who was putting all the money on the street for the the Brotherhood. We were on a wiretap, and a guy who was investigating all of us was ready for me to take my first drawdown. Jimmy Carter, was the President of the United States at the time. And this was April. So I thought I'd do the groundbreaking on April 1st. April Fool's Day, because everybody thought I couldn't build this hotel. <laughs> including, you know, all the old-timers there and Steve Wynn and all that. And so what I did, I had a few dollars, and I didn't take any drawdown. My first drawdown was gonna be on my footing and foundations. All the excavation I paid myself was like, Six, seven $700,000. So I get the word that they got me on a wiretap. And my lawyer said, you can't build this hotel. But I needed, because of my pride and my ego, that same time, simultaneously, construction money went to 20%. Anybody doing anything. Jimmy Carter was the worst president in the world for economics in this country. So it gave me the opportunity that I And my, Ernst Young was my accountant firm. I always get, you know, AAA companies because I'm, I'm a bum and I have not, I need the guidance from these guys. I, so they sent me a letter because I needed the letter to see why I'm not taking the money. They said, if you build this hotel in the next 24 months, you would have to have 91% occupancy just to service your debt. So I, right away, put the letter, sent it around to everybody, I can't build it. But now I had the woolly to have something. So somebody arranged a guy called uh, Mo Dalitz. Mo Dalitz was with Maya Lansky. They had the biggest real estate company there, right outside of Las Vegas Country Club. That was their office. They weren't gonna use it anymore because they built everything. So that was where I created State Street. (laughs) Wow. I, I paid a dollar a square foot. Nobody wow. can believe it. It was insane. So I just wanted to do something. I was ready to do it. So I did it. I had a lot of fun with State Street. It was a great wow. run. eight, uh, Nine years. Almost 10 years. Wow. I'll never forget when I
1: closed.
0: <laughs> okay, I'm sorry. <laughs> Am I boring your pet? Pa- <laughs> no, 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 no.
1: I thought you were finished. I'm sorry.
0: No, no. No, <laughs> no I was going to say when I went on stage oh. that night after that incident I had in October, we're not gonna tell you that, you have to buy the book. But anyway, I went on stage that night because everybody thought it was nuts anyway. I said, tonight we're gonna to close. And they're all looking close, the place is packed, making all kinds of money. I was just done because you know I had that incident, I went to that lady, I saved her life. But now it became like a, a punching bag, people were gonna to come try to write and take a shot Let me, see you later. So I told him, if you really like the place, and thank you for your patronage, anything you see, take home with you tonight. <laughs>
3: Oh my god. People were
0: taking chairs, pictures off the wall, <laughs> and, the, and my and my little sister was working there. She started crying because now she knew I was telling the truth. Nobody knew. <laughs> Nobody knew. The food. No, most restaurant tours, they you know, uh, they, they'll diminish the food and the freezers and all that. No, I had all the orders come, and then I brought it to a house, a hospital rather, and homeless shelter, and I gave it all away, and I walked out, got in a car, and drove away. That was it. Wow. Never went back.
3: <laughs> You never went back to that spot to this
0: day? Nope, nope. I took, it's on my bar. I took one of my brass lights. I do see that. And and, and I said, get me a hammer. I I almost didn't take it. I get me a hammer because it was in with these plugs into the brick. And I put it in the car and I see you later. Wow. Wow. All
3: right, do you want to do another one or do you want to wrap it up?
0: I think maybe. one more. No, no, okay, Pat. All right, one more. Yeah, do
3: another one. I
0: hope it's for you. Give him one.
3: Yeah, all right, here we go. All right, Pat, here's one for you from Virginia. Virginia asks, what made you want lady, to be... the lady, Virginia, or
0: the state? Come on, let's clear this up.
3: <laughs> oh, goodness. What made you want to be a detective, she asks.
0: Okay. He wanted to catch yeah, me. You,
1: <laughs> no. Well, this was way before I, I knew you existed. I was like seven years old. I used to watch something on TV called The Little Rascals, the gang comedies. Do you recall that? Yeah. Okay. This was reruns. This was, for those of you who don't know, this was, this was short films, like 10, 15, 20 minutes long. You used to see them before you went to the movies. Uh, they stopped doing these in 1944. So anything that I saw was like already 20, 30 years old. They started this series in the late 1920s, and I was captivated. I was like seven years old. I used to watch this, this, this you know, it on every day of the week in reruns. There was a dog there. There was a pit bull. Yeah. But they named Petey.
0: Yeah, but I, I, you uh, know who that, that dog? Johnny with that Buck ring Week. around his eye? Remember Buckwheat? Anyway. Pat, listen to me a minute. Remember the black kid? Yeah. That was his dog,
1: Buckwheat. Well, actually, I did Doug. a lot of research here because of, of, of what happened. Was, you know, the, this lady Virginia wants to know why I became a detective. I started... My, my my quest then because I'm watching this show. I was in love with this dog. I mean, seven years old. Every boy wants a dog, you know. And one day I'm watching it, and this dog had a ring around his eye. Do you recall the ring? Oh yeah, the black like a black okay. eye. Yeah, yeah, it was you know, a big ring around his eye, and that was uh, that was applied by the makeup artist Max Factor. Who was just at the time starting out in the late 1920s, Whoa. and he was the makeup guy that put the ring around the dog's eye. But think, make a long story short, I'm watching the show one day, and now I see the ring that was on the dog's right eye is now on the dog's left eye. <laughs> so you thought you could be? And I said to my, I said to my father, well, she used to watch it with me, you know. And I, I said that's not the same dog. <laughs> so he's look, he's looking at me. He says, what, "What do you mean?" So I told him about the eye thing. He says, "Come on." I said, I'm telling you, the ring was on the other eye. So he, he called me all kinds of names in Italian. You know, I'm not crazy. I'm going to go to hell. Or whatever, you know, uh, it turned out I was right. The first dog, who was extremely popular, uh, his name was uh, uh, Petey. But as an actor, the dog's name was, was uh, uh, Paulie the Wonder, uh, no, Wonder Dog. And he was the one that was the first Petey. Somebody killed Petey. Oh, they wow. poisoned oh, my goodness. Him. oh, wow. They poisoned the dog. Now, when I found out about this, it was a friend of my father's. This is a character you may remember from uh, Little Italy, Happy Pescatori. Gianni, do you remember him?
0: No, I don't. It must have had a nickname.
1: Big guy in the neighborhood. Uh, uh, Anthony Pescatori, they called him Happy, on the bar across from the uh, criminal courts called Happy. Well, happy, I know, In fact, yeah. my father... I didn't, I didn't know his real name. My father's best friend. My father bought him his bar. He gave him the money to buy that bar oh, and uh, the parking lot next to it. But anyway... Uh, he he had some connections in a, in a, a New York Daily News. So to satisfy me, my dad goes to Happy and said, "Could you, you know, find out for the kid what happened to this dog?" And that, he's the one who told me that they poisoned the dog. And it remains an open case <laughs> it's from 1930. They poisoned the dog me? in 1930. Oh my God. Uh, you solved the I case. Said, one day, one day, I'm going to be a detective and find out who poisoned Petey. Did you?
0: Is it still open the case?
1: uh, There was there there was all kinds of rumors about uh, financial problems. Ex-wife wanted to get back at her husband. She killed all kinds of rumors. (laughs) But that was my first inkling in my head as a little uh, seven-year-old. I'm going to be detected someday and solve the case of who whacked me. Wow! You know, I'm still looking. Anybody out there?
3: No. Call. Call this number. Watch this happen. Email us. Stranger things have happened.
1: We will have you on the show. If you can tell us, until Petey.
0: All right.
3: (laughs) All right. Well, I think that's it for tonight.
0: Yeah, what a crazy night. Frank, (laughs) Thank you stop by?
3: Yeah, thank you,
0: Frank. Thank you for having me. Thank you very much.
1: It's
2: a true pleasure. Thank you.
0: And ladies and gentlemen, and everybody else out there, Keep subscribing. We want to do this and keep doing it. We have no, more fun than you do. So uh, keep the cards and letters coming, the requests, whatever. God bless you all. See you next week. Good night,
3: everyone. Good night, everybody.
0: Bye-bye.
3: Thank you for tuning in to the Hollywood Godfather podcast. My name is Megan Horan. You can contact Gianni Russo, Patrick Picciorelli, or myself with your questions and comments through the contact section of our website, Podcast.com. You can also call and leave us a message at 646-776-3038. Regarding Gianni's motivational speaking appearances, you can visit his website GianniRusso.com You can also visit amazon.com for a listing of books Patrick Picciarelli has written. Remember to follow us on Instagram at hollywoodgodfatherpodcast as well as leave us a review on iTunes. we you'd like to know what you like about what we're doing, what you'd like to hear in the future, and anything else you might suggest to improve our podcast. Most importantly, hit the subscribe button. We'll be back next week with stories of the mob and Hollywood, as well as answers to your emails and voicemails. Again, Good night.
0: Too few to mention. I did what I had to do and saw so it through. Without exemption, I planned each charter course. Each careful step along the byway. But more, much more than this, I did it my way. Oh, there were times, I'm sure you knew, When I have been off more than I can chew. But through it all, well, there were doubts, I ate it up and spit it out.